invite you to open your Bible with me tonight to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to just return to the, the Great Commission tonight. Um, we are at a really uh, exciting time as a church. Uh, we just, uh, last Thursday night, John Terrell was um, approved by the Presbytery to be our church planner uh, to the south. Just a, uh, several weeks ago, uh, Grace Fellowship, our church plant in Zealand, was particularized. Uh, Adrian Crum is going to be uh, coming uh, later this month, end of this month, and we'll be beginning in August to be our, our pastor of uh, youth and evangelism. Uh, the Lord is, is blessing us uh, as we are uh, seeking to just move forward in gospel mission. We believe that God's called us to be a church uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, having a, an impact for the gospel here in West Michigan and, and, um, and ex- in expanding ways uh, around the world. And so... Um, we just need to be clear about what we're about and, and uh, continually pursue it because one of the most common things that happens to a church is mission drift uh, where we begin to get uh, either settled for our, our comfort, settled for what we're used to, uh, or we begin to get caught up in, uh, in other things. And uh, so I like to return to Matthew 28 again and again uh, to, to remind us of what we're about and what we're, we're for. Uh, notice in Matthew tw- uh, chapter 28, the chapter begins with the resurrection of Jesus. It's one of the shorter chapters in Matthew's Gospel, the, um, but we have the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, re, the report of the guard, and then immediately the Great Commission. Matthew is, um, wants us to clearly understand that the, the mission of the church rests exactly on the, the incredible miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that because Christ has been raised from the dead, the church has a mission in the world. And so let's give our attention, once again, words that you know well, but let's read God's Word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, God, our Father, now as we come to your word, we pray, Lord, that we would hear it with fresh ears and see it with, with fresh eyes. And, Lord, be moved by your spirit uh, to take up uh, with great, uh, fresh vigor the calling you've given to us as the church. Um, we pray this because Jesus is worthy of it. In his name, amen. Boys and girls, um, things have purposes, um, reasons for existence. For instance, if I asked you boys and girls, uh, what is a swimming pool for? You would say probably, well, swimming pool is for swimming. Excellent. Uh, what is a, what's a bike for? A bike for is riding bike. Uh, what's a fishing pole for? Fishing. Fishing. Exactly. What's the church for? Not quite sure. Boys and girls, you're not alone. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lack of clarity uh, about what the church is for. We, we sort of, uh, you know, the church is just there. It just kind of does church stuff. 
Um, some people never ask the question, what is the church for? Other people, um, in, in asking the question, will say, well, it's, you know, it's for some spiritual good. It's, it's good for kids. Uh, it, it brings some, some moral clarity to a community. Um, some people will say that the church, particularly nowadays, uh, that the church is for um, social activism. That the, that the church, if it's going to be any use at all in the world, ought to be at work to make the world a better place. But there's a lack of clarity in the Reformed Church, uh, the Reformed community as well. I, I, frankly, growing up, never really thought about what the church was for. Um, I was reading a, a commentary a, a while back where a Reformed writer says, although there's not a single verse that defines the uh, purpose of the church, Acts 24 gives a nice synopsis. Acts 24, verse 2, where we read that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And he says all churches should model themselves after this verse. Well, that's true, but that doesn't really get to the purpose question. Uh, Why should the church devote itself to these things? Why did the early church devote themselves to these things? What end were were they pursuing? Is there, a, is there a grand purpose that the church is intended to pursue and a cause, a mission to accomplish? Uh, yesterday, uh, had the, for the first time, went down to the uh, Gilmore Car Museum down uh, by Gull Lake. If you've never been down there, I, just, I recommend it. I, if, you, if you have any enjoyment of beautiful cars, it's fantastic. Really, really well done. But um, there's hundreds and hundreds of beautiful cars there. But, but all, every car there has the same basic function. Uh, you got an engine, you got a, uh, some sort of a uh, transmission, um, wheels, steering wheel. So lots of different parts, but one purpose. They're to transport people from point A to point B. Um, that's, what it, that's what a car is for. It's, to, it's for transportation. Well, what's the church for? Uh, tonight we're going to look at the purpose of the church, uh, then the product of the church, and then the plan, Jesus' plan for the church. That'll be our, our three points. So what's the church intended to do? What's its purpose? Well, uh, Matthew 28 gives us, I think, very clearly Jesus' purpose uh, for the church. There's one command in, in the text. It's in the imperative form. It is a command, and there's only one imperative in the text. It's not go. It's not baptize. It's make disciples. Going and baptizing and teaching are all modifiers. They're participles that modify that main verb, that main thought. The one thing that Jesus wants the disciples, the the foundation of the church, the founders of the church to pursue is this mission to make disciples. Uh, the church, of course, does many different things, like we see in Acts 2.42. We do worship. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We devote ourselves to fellowship. We devote ourselves to prayer. But those are not just various unrelated activities that churches do. Uh, those are all things that are intended to uh, help the church carry out its one mission, its one calling, which is to make disciples. And when the church is not clear about that mission, clear about that, that calling, it fails often and usually to fulfill it. If you don't really know what it's for, you won't be pursuing that. And so uh, a church can have great programs. A church can have uh, stirring sermons, uplifting worship services, well-attended, well-attended Sunday school programs, whatever it might be. But if we forget the big idea, we can end up doing all of those things And at the very same time, failing 
to obey Christ's clear calling and command. I've used this example before, but I think it's very helpful. Willow Creek Church, um, the sort of the happening church in the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, uh, down in, in Chicago area under Bill Hybels. Willow Creek was the fastest growing church in the 80s and 90s. They had uh, fantastic programs, state-of-the-art all the way through, uh, magnificent facilities, 10,000 or so people, gifted staff. But they did a, uh, about 10 years ago, they did a survey of their church to ask, are we... Are people actually growing in the grace and the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ? Are people growing as disciples of Jesus Christ? And the answer came back resoundingly, no. They're not. People enjoy the services, they enjoy the ministries, they enjoy the programs, but they're not actually developing a rich personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's transforming their life so that they are being engaged in the mission of Christ. They're consumers they're not disciples. And so Willow Creek, to their credit, repented and, and uh, began to ask the question, what do we need to do to actually create disciples? Well, many Reformed churches, rightfully critical of Willow Creek's model, commit the very same mistake. Many, many Reformed churches, you see, are, are also intent on the wrong goal. Willow Creek's goal was to be seeker-sensitive. And to grow. So, so they set out, the goal was to create a church that unchurched Harry and unchurched Sally would feel comfortable in. And they did, and they accomplished that goal. It, it was just the wrong goal. Well, Reformed churches can also have the wrong goal. Uh, many Reformed churches uh, say their goal is to be a quote-unquote Truly reformed church. I, I remember, again, I've, I've used this before, but I remember uh, years ago now preaching at a church where they, uh, one of the elders uh, proudly informed me that they worship just like John Calvin did, that their liturgy is just like John Calvin's. As though that were a matter of great importance. Well, okay. But are you making disciples? I had a conversation with some brothers a year or so ago. Um, uh, they were talking about church planting in the OPC and saying, you know, our goal is to plant distinctively OPC churches. Okay. Are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? Because that, that's, that's the commission. That's what Jesus calls us to. You see, we, we can settle for less than uh, what Jesus intends. Uh, what's What's Jesus' mission for the church? And it's clearly here, it's, it's to make disciples. Um, that's, that's obviously how the early church thought of itself. So in Acts chapter 6, for instance, you, when you read about this discussion that happens because, because some of the, the Hellenists uh, are complaining, the Greeks, they're complaining that their widows aren't being cared for the way the, the, the Jewish widows are. Uh, well, when you read that text, it says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, this complaint arises, and so they gathered all the disciples together, and they, uh, the, 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 the apostles said, it's not right we should give up preaching the word of God in order to serve tables. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. They thought of themselves as disciples. Uh, so the question is for us as a church. Are we making disciples at Harvest Church? Are people being converted and then being baptized and then growing in spiritual maturity and kingdom fruitfulness as disciples of Christ, Jesus our Lord? Is, is that what we're seeking to do? 
Um, are, are our children coming to mature faith in Christ so that they're growing up in the faith and, and eager to follow Jesus Christ as Lord? And, and by the grace of God, that we can say, yes, so, so often that's exactly what's happening. The Lord is blessing us richly with children who are growing up in the faith and laying hold of that faith. And boys and girls, I just want to say to you right now, uh, we're, mom and dad are not bringing you to church just to try to teach you how to be civilized people. Mom and dad are bringing you to church because they want you to know Jesus. They want you to love Jesus. They want you to give your life to Jesus. That's why mom and dad bring you to church. Are adults growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a book uh, that Tony Payne and uh, Colin Stewart put out well, maybe two years ago now, but called The Vine Project. Um, I've, read it, I've read it. Wayne uh, Vincher has, has, uh, has read it. In fact, we are sh- we're moving Wayne, try, trying to move him away from uh, some of the administrative things so that Wayne can really intentionally focus on this area of discipleship that he's over, overseeing the ministries of the church to say, are these ministries actually accomplishing the mission? And how do we grow in the mission of disciple-making? Well, uh, the Vine, in the Vine Project, um, these, these men wrote this book, <clears throat> The Trellis and the Vine First, just about discipleship-making. They visit all sorts of churches in, um, in, in uh, doing seminars on this topic, and from their research, they say that most churches are not They do not have a culture of disciple-making. Most churches are sort of doing church without the intentionality of the Great Commission. Well, what is a disciple? What's the product? What's a disciple? We have to understand uh, what this is. Well, um, Tony Payne says a disciple is a learner. So uh, the Pharisees had their disciples. They were learning the ways of of the Pharisees. Um, a Christian disciple, then, is, is someone who um, is learning Jesus. Carson says a Christian disciple, Christian disciples are those who hear, understand, and obey Jesus' teaching. A Stuart, uh, Payne and Stewart say a, a disciple is someone who is involved in transformative learning. So you're not just gathering information. You're learning Christ. You're being taught Jesus, who he is, what he did, what he's promised, what he purposes, his, his way of looking at reality. And that is becoming the way that you see the world. Uh, you, you're, you're learning Christ, seeing the world the way that Christ sees the world, and then following him as you engage in the world. That's what a disciple is. So the, when Jesus says, make disciples, then he has these two words, uh, baptizing and teaching because that's critical to discipleship it, it, it shows the, the nature of a disciple when when someone is baptized it is a sign of entrance into the covenant community but it's it's also a sign of turning from a former way of life to a new way of life and and specifically um, now coming to Jesus Christ to follow him. It's a renouncing of the old and putting on of the new. When in the Muslim community, if you start flirting with Christianity, you can have those conversations and, and your, your family and your, uh, the, 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 the imam is going to be very concerned, but, but you're still part of the community. But when you get baptized, that's when everything changes. Because Muslims understand that your Christian baptism is a renouncing of your Muslim identity. 
your Muslim faith. You're renouncing that and you are now turning and claiming Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord. And you're claiming Jesus' way as the way that you're going to live. Well, that's exactly what Jesus means here when he says make disciples, baptizing them. Um, because baptism is the sign that we receive the sacrament which signifies our death to the old way of life, our new union with Jesus Christ, a sign of belonging to Christ, and um, now committing ourselves to follow Him, to serve Him, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's the second part, to observe everything that I have commanded you, to observe everything that Christ has commanded. When you become a disciple, the Word of Jesus Christ becomes authoritative. One of, the, one of the things that is, um, oxymoron is not, not the right word, but one of the things that doesn't belong in the church are people who um, say they're Christians, and yet the word of Jesus is not authoritative or, or um, normative. So people who say they're Christians, and yet uh, they'll feel free to say, well, what the Bible teaches about uh, homosexuality, I, I just don't go along with that. Or what the Bible teaches about um, hell. Oh, what the Bible teaches about uh, the necessity for holiness and, and, uh, and morality and, and, and godliness. I mean, I'm not against it. I just, I don't take that that seriously. That, that's, that's an oxymoron. That, that those things don't go together. A disciple who says, um, I like Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to kind of mix what Jesus thinks and what I think, and we're going to move forward on that basis. That's, not, that's just not a disciple. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, so that the word of Jesus Christ is absolutely normative for a Christian, so that any believer, right, when you come to a true disciple, you can open the Bible together. What does Jesus say? That's normative. That's authoritative. This is what we do. We follow Jesus. If it's unpopular, well, Jesus said it was going to be unpopular. We follow Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a critical, critical um, point to make in a, in, a, in a culture where so many Christians are getting increasingly comfortable accommodating cultural ideas and values that are contrary to the teaching of Jesus Christ. We just, we just have to understand what a disciple actually really is. What Jesus commands and says is normative. It has to function that way. Jesus says in John 8, 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word. John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's not that difficult. Well, it's very difficult. It's just not, it's not hard to understand. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I love them. I know them, and they follow me. That's transformative learning, as uh, Tony Payne and, and, and uh, Colin Stewart talk of. A transformative learning. And that's, that's a life that's going to then bear fruit. Jesus says, if you, uh, John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. And by this, he says, verse 8, is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
Prove to be my disciples. Well, what's the plan then? So we, we have the, the mission, the, the, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. The product of uh, someone who actually belongs to Jesus Christ, is committed to Christ, uh, observes uh, the commands of Christ. But how do we create these kinds of people? Well, here's, here's the plan. <clears throat> All authority and power has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. You see, Jesus is reminding us who the master builder is, um, the master architect. I will build my church, Jesus says, Matthew 16. And Jesus links his authority and power directly to the the mission of the church. The authority of Jesus Christ uh, means that making disciples is mandatory. We can't as a church say, well, that's for some churches who are sort of into the missions thing. They're, they're, they're into evangelism. They're into memorizing their Bible. They're into, you know, uh, discipleship. We don't really do that. <clears throat> that's, that's, that's not an option. Making disciples is mandatory. All authority has been given unto me. And all power has been given unto me, which means that making disciples is possible. And it's the only reason it's possible. It's the only way it's possible. Uh, you can't change your own heart, much less change the hearts of your neighbors. But all power has been given to Jesus, and because all power belongs to Jesus, we can pray confidently for that power to move us and to change the hearts of people. So Paul says in Colossians 1, <clears throat> 28, Him we proclaim, Jesus Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. One of the most uh, exhilarating things about being a, 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 a disciple following Jesus and making other disciples is when you experience the, the power of God at work in you as you seek to make other people mature in Christ. I hope as a Christian parent you've experienced that. That as you're talking to your children about their sin and about uh, the commands of Jesus Christ and the truths of Jesus Christ, that, that you see God at work in the lives of your children and you realize that's not your power. It's God at work. It's God's power at work. That's the, the reason we, we, we pursue this because all authority and all power belongs to Jesus. So he's the master builder. We're the construction workers. The disciples. So here he's gathered the apostles. They're going to be the foundation of the church, uh, the, the, the foundation on which the church is built. They have a unique role. But, but here's the plan for the church as a whole for making disciples, which is disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. On and on until every elect child of God is gathered home. So Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's the process. We we see that at work even in in, in Christian families, don't we? Where one generation believes and the next generation believes and the next generation believes. As the gospel's being ministered, as parents are discipling their children, the gospel's being, being passed down, and, and those children then pass it down to their children, and they to, to their children. That's exactly what God intends. And he intends that in the church. Christian disciples reproduce disciples. Uh, Ken Smith, I don't know uh, how many of you were at the retreat. We had probably, man, six years ago at least now, maybe more, with Ken Smith. 
uh, the man who was instrumental in bringing Rosario Butterfield to faith. And he just talks about how reproduction is woven into the fabric of creation, that God creates uh, you know, fruit trees, and they have their seeds in them, and uh, they bear fruit, which is more trees, which, which bear more trees. And uh, the same for Adam and Eve. They have children who have children who have children. And his premise is just that, uh, he says, in Scripture we find this basic premise, healthy organisms reproduce. So a healthy Christian cultivating his union and communion with Christ will tend to reproduce other Christians starting with his own children. And that's the same for churches, healthy churches. Cultivating our union and communion with Jesus Christ will tend to produce Christians who are producing other Christians. And I would say uh, other churches that are also producing other churches. It Just reproduction is part of the way that God designed the world to work. Well, Let's bring this all down home here. How is this going to happen here at Harvest Church? First of all, just to be praise God for all the ways that it is happening. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm zealous for as we move forward as a church, I'm just zealous for us to think about all of, all of what we do, our worship services, our Sunday school programs, our small group programs, our diaconal ministry, every, everything we do as a church. And we look at all of that, again, intentionally to say, is it accomplishing the mission? Are, are the things that we do faithful to the call that God has given to us? Are people actually growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are people being reached with the gospel and being brought up in the truths of God, being baptized and, and observing what he's commanded? Are we growing? Are we producing disciples who are producing disciples? Well, how's that going to happen? Again, Ken Smith just pointed out, reproduction is a divine act. God gives children, doesn't he? God, in a sense, ultimately makes disciples. But we don't settle for that because God has means whereby he accomplishes this. And the means, of course, is that as disciples are made as a result of human activity. Jesus didn't say, um, wait for God to make disciples. What Jesus said is, wait in Jerusalem until power from on high comes upon you, and then you go in the power of God and make disciples, baptizing and teaching. And so um, we're to be actively engaged in this disciple-making work. Again, how are we going to do that? Well, let me just wrap up with these few, few things. One thing we need to continue to do is pursue spiritual health. Healthy organisms reproduce. Um, Psalm 1, the godly man is a, is a tree that bears fruit in every season. Why? Because he's planted by the streams of living water. He's drinking from the life-giving stream. Uh, that's what Jesus commands his disciples to do. Abide in me. Abide in my word. Jesus is the stream. Jesus, Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. So as we intentionally, as a church, cling to Christ... Um, we can expect the health, the vigor of our Lord Jesus Christ to be at work doing what only Jesus can do. But the other part of it is spirit-filled labor. So we do our part, trusting God will do His part. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. I, I um, am praying that, that we will, as a church... Just be increasingly clear about what we're doing as a church. Uh, we are about the mission, the great mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're not about just doing church. We're about growing as disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. We're about um, our children growing to know Jesus and to love Jesus. We're about inviting our neighbors to come and know Jesus and to be um, converted by the power of God and, and baptized and taught to follow Jesus Christ. This is why we exist as a church. This is what we pray for. And this is not sort of Pastor Dale's unique you know, vision for harvest. It is Jesus' vision for Harvest Church. And that in, in, in all that we do, then this is to be the thing that we're shooting for. This is the purpose. This is what we pray for. This is what we pursue. And then doing that, praising God for every, every place that it's happening, rejoicing as we see. I, I tell you, there's nothing that blesses me more than hear someone say, man, God is really at work in my life. I've just joined this new small group Bible study, or I've just um, um, started you know, just reading the Bible uh, for the first time on my own, or the worship services re have really been impacting me, just waking me up. That's, that's God doing what God can do. That's discipleship in the making. Well, let's continue to pray that that happens more and more, that, that more and more people are gathered to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let, let's pray that this happens not over here, only here in West Michigan, but all over the world. Jesus Christ is worthy of his praise. He's given the church a calling to make disciples. May God grant that we as a church are intentionally, happily engaged in that work, bearing much fruit for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord our God, I thank you for the mission that you've given to us as a church. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that we have um, to be engaged in this wonderful gospel cause of, of proclaiming him, Jesus Christ, as Lord, as Savior. And Father, I thank you that you've placed us in the middle of a lost, dark world. You've placed us in the middle of the mission field. Father, I pray that you would be at work here in, in our church, that in our hearts, in our homes, that, Lord, we are increasingly clear about what we're about in our families and here as, as a congregation, that we're, we're clear about this, this call to make disciples of Jesus Christ people who know and love and hear and follow Jesus, who see the world the way Jesus sees the world, who are children of the Heavenly Father. Father, we, we, we confess that uh, we're often distracted. We're, we're, we're seeking our life and things that are passing away. We're, we get our identity in, in, in our work or in our relationships. We seek our comfort there. But Lord, I pray that you would bless us as a church. We pray, Lord, that as, as Pastor Wayne continues to focus, um, that you would just bless his work, that, that we would see fruit as we're, as we're very intentional about this commission, this call. I pray for Adrian Crum as he comes to join us. Pray for John Terrell. Uh, as he begins the plant in, in, in the south uh, and to minister there. Father, I, I, I just pray that we would be, by your grace, becoming an increasingly a church that is focused on your purpose. And that we would have the joy, for your name's sake, the joy 
of participating in this great commission in a way that bears much fruit for the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing uh, together, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, as we're called to uh, follow our Lord Jesus Christ, to be engaged in His cause. Let's stand together and sing. this week that God has ordained for you as disciples of Jesus Christ, go with his blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you till Christ come again. Amen. Amen.